welcome to my kitchen. My name is Tepan Murisana. I hold a WACT Level 2 certificate, an advanced brandy certificate from the Cape Wine Academy. In 2016, I was awarded the Veritas Young Wine Writer of the Year Award. I've written for many, many publications and edited one or two in my time. I hold an interest in many topics and many things, including construction, if you can imagine. So I hope that you'll be able to pull up a seat, come into my kitchen and enjoy endless hours of not only food and wine, but many of the other delectable topics that keep us engaged. We look forward to hosting you soon. And My Kitchen is brought to you by My Kitchen Company SA. My Kitchen Company is a Johannesburg-based kitchen, bathroom, furniture and renovation business. They bring you everything in the kitchen sink. Visit them on Twitter at MyKitchenCoSA for more information. Welcome back to My Kitchen. In this week's episode, I will bring the wine. And then we're going to make it pop where we speak about a book or show or film, a pop of pop culture. And finally, the dish where we speak about something or someone delectable who's made our world a sweeter place. And to get straight into this week's episode, I want to share that I'm thrilled and delighted that this February we're speaking about rosé, rosé or zay. And this is inspired by an article that I wrote for Cheers magazine, which is available at Tops stores, the spa top stores in South Africa. And when I wrote this column, I did an incredible amount of research. I spoke to some fascinating people. I read a lot. And I learned a lot, so I'm so thrilled to share some of what I wrote with you. And I first want to begin by asking you, why is rosé on everyone's lips? So according to Nielsen, in 2018, sales of rosé grew by an astounding 40% in the United States. And although the rosé wine category is rising in popularity, pink wine has existed for centuries. In ancient Greece, diluted wine was perceived as civilized. These wines were generally field blends of crushed red and white grapes. According to Guildsam in the 6th century BC, vines were brought from Greece to an area that is now known as Marseille in the south of France. And later, when the Romans arrived in Provence, word of the pink wine in Massaliao, Marseille, had already reached them and travelled through their Mediterranean trade routes. And so tonight, I'm drinking something pink, inspired by this topic, and I'll have a little sip of it now. In South Africa, not Maasai, sadly. But over time, in regions like Provence, the maceration method has become popular in the production of rosé. The method of blending red and white wine, so the blending method to make rosé, is popular in the production of celebrated champagnes, for example, Champagne Lanson. And if you remember, we spoke about Champagne Lanson um, rosé in our champagne episode, which produced one of the world's first rosé champagnes. The Sanyai blend or blend method is popular in Napa and California. In 1869, the first white Zinfandel wine was made at El Penal Winery in Lodi, California. This was considered the genesis of pink wine in the United States. However, this pink wine made from red grapes caused more of a stir than a splash. It was not until the 21st century that Americans truly began to embrace the popularity of pink wine. In 2014, business publications reported on the Great Hamptons Rosé shortage of 2014. It was called a bull market crisis by CNBC and the horror of a less rosy Labor Day holiday in the Hamptons caused rife panic. The market revealed how perfectly Long Island speeches paired with pink wine, a fact that many sommeliers had undermined to their detriment. The brose rosale culture in the Hamptons has crossed the ocean to South Africa. South African brand Spider Pink Wines, we love Spider Pink, Spider pig, spider pig <laughs> is responsible for the onion peel coloured rosé rosé. And while the label is playful, the rosé is serious. It is a blend comprised of 60% columbar and 40% cinzo. In 2018, the classic Provençal style dry wine celebrates bromance, lady bromance, or even nomance. <laughs> From Long Island to South Africa, the Provencal-style romanced rosé drinkers. In South Africa, brands such as Laborie and Holdemans have embraced the Provencal style of rosé. A few years ago, I had a beautiful lunch at Marble with Gerard Holden, who is Holdemans' proprietor. 
and he described the pleasure of enjoying their Provencal style rosé while basking in the green hills at their property in Provence. However, their Franschic property created a subsequent Provencal dry blend named Hero Rosé, named after the pro proprietor's daughter. In 2019, the Hero blend is comprised of 77% Grenache grapes and 23% Cinzo. Red grapes, Grenache and Cinzo are among the red grapes that are used in the production of rosé worldwide. According to the AAWE Journal of Wine Economics Worldwide, red varietals are often mentioned on wine labels for their role in the production of rosé wine, while Weizenfandel, which we mentioned earlier, is responsible for 40% of the world's rosé. Red grapes comprise 46%. Other grapes are responsible for the remainder. Bodibe Sibolai, the chief wine lover at African Culinary Library and founder of Bodibe Wines, co-signs the Provencal style of red wine. Bodibe told me they are usually light, crisp and refreshing on the palate, a classic Vindesoff. And besides the Provencal style, Bodibe says rosé owes its popularity to the sparkling wine category. Through the introduction of brut rosés, the market has become increasingly comfortable with dry style rosé. Added to that, winemakers are becoming comfortable with making refreshing wines. This is further spurred on by price point. In addition, nothing complements a South African Valentine's Day or Spring Day better than rosé. <laughs> I didn't mean to rhyme, I'm glad it did though. The colour of the wine is simply elegant, vibrant and inviting, Vodibe said. Vodibe told me that in 2006, he decided to try rosé and never look back. From a spring picnic to a braai or pairing rosé with smoked salmon or trout bruschetta or light chicken curry, rosé has proven to be quite versatile when it comes to pairings. He describes it as a party on the palate. Wine writer, educator, trainer, mentor and my friend A. Ingrid Graham agrees with Budibe's sentiments. The founder of Wine Intelligence and the Graham Online Wine Academy, Ingrid says, I find that rosé wine is a good choice to serve throughout the meal. I serve it with a dill dip starter. It is delicious with Thai-style stir-fried noodles. And of course, I sip it on its own, just to make sure that it will pair well with whatever dish I'm serving. And when teaching people about how rosé wine is made, I love to relay the story told by Gunter Brosel, the iconic winemaker at Niederberg, when I worked there many years ago. He described his rosé wine... Ingrid says, as romantic, and said, she is a shy wine. The colour comes about because there's been a short filtration of the skins at the must, just a brief interlude, and then she's removed, leaving just the slightest blush. It is not surprising that more people are drinking pink, according to Ingrid, because pink bubbly puts a sparkle into the dullest day and looks so elegant. Some of Ingrid's favourites are Pierre Jordan Bar Rosé and Cleaner's Alza, Brut Rosé. Dumi Akinsola, wine concierge, distributor and founder of Isivini, hosted an annual rosé garden event in December 2019. She says it turned out to be a rosé in the rain. Splendor. Alongside the change in diets towards lighter, leaner vegetarian meals, Dumi attributes influencer branding as among the reasons for the rising popularity of rosé. She says almost all the Côte de Provence wines made along France's Mediterranean are for rosés. For millennials, the pale pink hue is considered highly Instagrammable. The fashion has come from Saint-Tropez, according to Dumi, as well as seeing celebrities like Kylie Minogue, Sting, John Legend and others drinking and investing in popular rosés. For example, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie bought Chateau Miraval in Côte de Provence. While Dumi could substitute rosé for a cup of coffee in the morning or enjoy it with a variety of dishes, she finds Provencal style of rosé to be most versatile as well. Dumi imparts nothing, says rosé for me, like the Provencal style rosé. It is the, like the staple piece of clothing one should have in the wardrobe. A crisp white shirt, you can dress it up or down with a gastronomic fine dining or pair it with a juicy burger and fries. It is an all occasion wine. So cheers to rosé all day. <laughs> um, 
Ingrid Graham says that she finds that rosé is a good choice to serve throughout the meal. She serves it with chicken nuggets, carrots or celery sticks with a dill dip as a starter. And she also finds that it's delicious with stir-fry noodles, tile style. And of course she sips it on his own just to make sure that it pays well with whatever dish she's serving. If you want to learn more about wine intelligence or if you want to connect further with Ingrid Graham, email Ingrid at thegrahamonlineacademy.co.com or Ingrid at wineintelligence.co.za. Thank you so much for staying with me. I wanted to share a couple of really special rosés that I've enjoyed throughout the years. I remember um, we spoke at length about the 2020 rosés that I enjoyed. Um, But I thought that besides the fabulous um, Champagne Lanson, um, because we did speak about sparkling rosés, I should also introduce you to a couple of really great rosés. So firstly, the Lausanne Canamera Rosé from Robertson. I tasted the 2017, which was a Chilean varietal. Um, and it has a bit of spice. It was quite spicy, I found, even on the palate. Um, and it was a salmon-colored wonder made by a woman winemaker. So it was a true triumph for me. I also really enjoyed the Holden Mines 2018 Rosé Blend. Um, and this wine reminded its proprietor of the rolling hills of Provence. Um, I did speak to you about um, Jared Holden a little earlier. It has a bit of jasmine and stone fruit as well as vanilla on the nose and it truly does transport you to those gorgeous rolling hills. It is comprised of 42% Grenache, 34% Syrah, 12% Cinzo, 8% Cabernet Sauvignon and 4% Cabernet Franc, more of the red grapes that we were describing earlier. And you honestly could embody the spirit with which it was crafted and enjoy hashtag rosé all day. One of the other great rosés that I enjoyed was actually from France, the Chateau de Pibonon Pandol Rosé. This wine will always represent generosity to me. It is comprised of Senzo and Mauvet and it exhibits citrus and red fruit aromas. My friend was gifted this wine at a private cellar tasting at a new friend's home. It was a really special night. Um, the most extraordinary man invited us to his cellar and he took us um, in and he showed us around all the fabulous wines and he asked us a very interesting question. He said, what would your last meal be and what wine would you pair it with? And my friend, um, I think she said Ava on toast or peanut butter and jam on toast. And he gave her this gorgeous rosé as a gift. It is available in South Africa via Great Domains. Um, at that point, it was about 375 rand. And out of the kindness of her heart, she shared this Provencal pile house with us over dinner at her home. It was the best of the year that was. It was clean, it had clarity, and it had great depth. So... Um, I'm a huge fan of rosé, as we know. Um, and besides loving rosé, um, I also love sharing rosé. So if you have any great rosé wine that you want to share with me or that you're interested in speaking about, please feel free to send me a shout out on Twitter or Instagram um, at the In My Kitchen Pod account or email inmykitchensa at gmail.com. Um, I have five really, really cool rosés to share with you. I don't know if you're excited about Valentine's Day or if you have post-Valentine's Day plans. Um, and then I'm going to share some sparkling rosés with you as well because Bodibe and Ingrid both alluded to this fabulous category and I think that it definitely deserves exploring. So first of all, some of the rosé that truly caught my eye and my tongue, I suppose, this year Um It included quite a bunch, actually. I had a very extraordinary year in lockdown. So I spoke to you about the Labouri Rosé earlier. It was one of the first rosés I tasted at the beginning of the year with alongside jam made by Chef Maynard um, at his gorgeous studio in Paul. So it's comprised of 30% Shiraz, 30% Mervodra, 25% Senzo, and 15% Cabernet Sauvignon. This blushing salmon-colored rosé flirts with joy. An elegant Provencal style of rosé is one that both invites delight and romances the palate. Then I spoke to you about the Holderman's Hero. Um, One thing that I really did like that I haven't shared is that the bottle is eco-friendly. It's designed to be reusable um, and it also has like a glass cap. So I would definitely use it as a water carafe or um, anything really. It's quite pretty even as a vase. And then, of course, the Stienberg Rosé, which is a blend of Cinzo and Syrah. I tasted the 2018 
Lichtenberg Ruby Rose. And it's a beautiful onion peel colored wine. Um, it truly is the beauty to behold. And it's like a mouthful of cherries, tropical fruit and strawberries. This wine wasn't only pretty in the glass, but it did really bring joy to the palate. And then I finally tasted the Grand Provence Rosé 2015. Um, people keep saying rosé shouldn't be kept, but my experience in France was um, there are rosés that are a bit serious. Um, and yeah, for me, it actually deserved aging. I felt like it didn't um, decay it. So this one is made from Merlot, and I was romanced by the delicacy of this rosé. It was a 2015 vintage, so it's about six years old. It had apples and berries interlaced with summer fruit, and it brought summer to a winter afternoon in Johannesburg. And then, of course, the Hazendal, Christophe Hazenwinkel, Blanc de Noir 2019. Cheers to me for correct pronunciation. I'm doing very well. So made from 100% Shiraz. We enjoyed this beauty as our Women's Day lunch accompaniment because it was made by a woman. So I think that's two, if not three wines that I mentioned that have been made by women, including um, the Connemara Rosé from Lausanne. The colour is mesmerising of this Hazendal Christopher Hazenbunkel Blanc de Noir. The colour is mesmerising, but you should see the label. It's absolutely, I think, outstanding. It's a little um, Hazenbunkel rabbit in a suit. Um, it's so beautiful. Um, but the colour of the wine as well is <laughs> just as mesmerising as the label. It has strawberry, citrus, blossom and stone fruit, which dance together with such delight. Winemaker Clarice Chakati Langefeld has produced a Blanc de Noir that reflects the Johannesburg sky at dusk. It truly is a triumph. And then, of course, the Rudeberg Rosé 2020. I was a bit um, happy <laughs> that I shared this with friends one Sunday afternoon because... I think rosé is one of those wines that um, it's not intimidating. So even if you do have friends that are not um, serious wine people like my friends are, they'll still invite a rosé. They'll still get quite excited about a rosé. So Rydberg sent their rosé in time for spring with pretty and a practical accompanying mask. Perfect for the times. It was just perfect for the, for the COVID season to have a beautiful mask. So the mask had um, all the aromas of the classic Rudeberg Rosé 2020. It has strawberry, candy floss, raspberry, rose petals and Turkish delights. And I enjoyed it with a Mexican inspired takeaway at the home of my friend. Um, and it was perfect with that spicy Mexican food. It was delicious. It was truly fresh and full of life. And then of course the creation rosé. So I enjoyed the creation tasting kit as part of the Joburg Wine Club's What's Grooving Got to Do With It event. And this is one of the gifts of the pandemic, the ability to pair food and wine from the comfort of your coach couch while participating in music, food and wine. And it's quite sad because I heard recently that Kai FM is no longer keeping what's wrong with grooving on the lineup. Um, but this was really an outstanding event for me. It was very cool house music um, with alongside this creation tasting kit. Um, and the highlights for many, of course, the Pinot Noir and the tasting kit was amazing. The Sauvignon Blanc was loved by everybody. The Viennier was a revelation to me, of course. I didn't realize Viennier was so great with curry. Now I'm that girl that every time we have Thai, I'm like, <laughs> let me get that Viennier together. But the rosé had a rose and cardamom uh, mist, and I love that smell. I, I, I used to spray it quite often around the house, and then I realized how beautiful the smell was. Um, and my friend Josh and I are trying to figure out how we can get that rose and cardamom smell everywhere. And the scent of this wine translated so well. The color was also sublime. It really was an experience because that's what creation does, experiences. And then, of course, a different revelation for me, the Czech's Odd Bin Sinzo Rosé 2020. And we had Odd Bin number 74. So I took part in the 50th anniversary of the Checkers Odd Bins Tasting Online, again, another virtual event, um, but this time a cheese and wine pairing. So we tasted the 2014 Merlot, which showed promise, and the Sauvignon Blanc was sublime, but the rosé was delicious. But the troubling thing about Odd Bins, if you're aware of the Odd Bins, is that you're not guaranteed to get the same bin number again. Um, but I suppose that's also the joy of the experience. With the beautiful summer fruit, strawberries and citrus, it paired with an exquisite selection of cheeses from Checkers. Um, but the Odd Bin was a true treasure for me. So that was Odd Bin 74, the Sinzo Rosé. And then, of course, the Babylon's Terran Movado Rosé. Um, so when they first arrived, I was very intimidated because it's so, so pretty. Um, and then we opened it on a beautiful Sunday afternoon with family 
Um, and it was made even prettier by a beautiful summer afternoon in Johannesburg. It really was spring in a glass. So this wine actually arrived in time to commemorate Garden Day on the 11th of October. Um, so they imparted from Babylon's Turin that the past few months have left us all with a renewed appreciation for the simple pleasures in life. Strolling outside, awaiting a sunset with a glass of wine in hand. Absolutely, is my response. And then, of course, the Devets of Lilia Rosé 2020. It was released in collaboration with the Innovation for the Blind in Worcester. And Devets of Lilia Rosé 2020 arrived in a sensational basket. It reminded me of a story Johan Devet once told of how he had proposed his wife by loading a picnic onto a bike, possibly four-wheeler, I can't remember, and then heading up a mountain. But the colour of this rosé is the colour of the sky when your heart is swollen with love. It's really beautiful. And I think that the story of having that collaboration with Innovation for the Blind in Vosta is also just so important because it's just the most beautiful tactile basket. Um, and I, if, if I'm not incorrect, I think... Um, I was listening to a radio show the other day and somebody was speaking about how much the pandemic has really changed the life of the differently abled, you know, things that you, um, you're already complaining about the inconvenience of, you know, um, things like having to sanitize, you know, if you don't have your site, for example, which of course they do need to sanitize. We don't, we haven't um, taken into account things like social distancing where they would maybe have to be walking close to their helper or the person who's assisting them to feel their way around the store or collect items and and we're so quick to say oh no you need to keep that one and a half meter distance so we're continuing to think of them and then other things I think like you know we were like oh what an inconvenience I have to be home before curfew um, if you consider you know people um, who cannot see for example the lady on the radio was saying how excuse me she was saying how um you know having to call an uber before curfew is even that much harder when you can't see because now they've all run out so definitely really proud of this collaboration between robertson and innovation for the blind it's um truly moving and it and it makes you think about how many ways we should start to integrate our lives to make um more possible for the differently abled and then of course the Lawrence for the river garden rosé 2017 um it was actually my last wine for 2020 um which i shared with my grandmother and i wanted to hold on to those strawberry and stone fruit flavors it was sublime it was made from 100 percent Merverdra, and it is the most aromatic and romantic dream and you should see how the sky blushes when this wine emerges. And then, of course, I wanted to share a couple of sparkling wines with you that are in the rosé category because Budibe is completely right that this is a style, I think, that introduces many people to the category um, and also introduces many people to wine. Um, so I will start with the Natita 2016, the Grand Maid Yog. It is a rich jewel-toned Cap Cassi comprised of Pinot Noir produced by winemaker Danny Kilda at Natita. And as the welcome drink to lunch with the winemaker at Thunderlinda in Linden, kind of joyfully sat at the restaurant all afternoon and marveled at the color alone. It's like a ruby color. It's so beautiful. And it is a true beauty that reveals the potential of Durbanville's Pinot Noir. And then, of course, a rosé bubbly that we tend to revisit very often in this household, <laughs> the Stienberg Pinot Noir MCC Brut Non-Vintage. It is a beautiful salmon pink cap classique made from Pinot Noir, with strawberries bursting from moose-like bubbles. This was one of my favorite invitations to Toast to Cup Classic last year. And then, of course, the Krona Vintage Rosé, Cuvée Brut 2018 MCC. It was a toast to fresh life and hope. And I loved this wine because it had an almost saline quality to it. Um, yeah, it was a big surprise, but a delicious one. And then a pink bubbly that really encapsulates my favorite month of the year and my favorite holiday valentine's day the grendel proposal hill pinot noir brut mcc 2016. this is a hill that the love story is written on the grendel proposal hill cap classic 2016 is a brut rosé named after the hill that de villiers graf proposed to his beloved enon in durbanville so i think it spent two years on the lease um it's a really special wine and then finally just to wrap up rosé, which I hope we'll be revisiting again. Cheers. <laughs> um, the spear can. So um, the reason I'm speaking about it is because I think we were speaking about accessibility and I was part of a room on Clubhouse the other night 
um, where some of the talking points were things like, um, how do we put premium wine in can? Should we put premium wine in can? And I thought that rosé wine is a great wine to actually put into can because um, as I said earlier, a lot of people tend to think that if you can just put rosé in the fridge and enjoy it right away, it's, it is a right away wine, which it, it truly really is. But um, I thought of the spear can because it was so versatile as well. We had it in a slushy, I think. Um, and also it was delicious all afternoon long and a beautiful afternoon in Joburg. So, so I hope that you enjoyed this gorgeous foray into rosé. I rhymed again. <laughs> and I wanted to introduce you to more of this beautiful city while we speak about this gorgeous rosé that is so special on afternoons in Joburg. So I recently had the opportunity to visit Black Brick, um, a new development in Santon. So the building was bought in 2018 and it used to be old SAB offices. Um, it is comprised of over 150 rooms, um, which also... Ha the building also houses apartments which are of a similar design and can be used of short stay. So it's a very versatile building. It has the ability to switch markets, um, to switch to the demands of the market because obviously as we know at the moment um, there's been this exodus of big business from the Sanson CBD. So I think in the future these apartments are definitely obviously going to rise in value but the hotel stays I think is also going to be really um, valuable because there's several things that make it a really accessible and cool building besides its proximity to Sanson City um, post-pandemic and to the Sanson CBD and, and things like the Gau train, um, accessibility is everything as we know. They've also got um, things like a mini station and downstairs they have a restaurant, um, Soul Savlaki, which we love and adore, um, and, and different amenities within the building as well. But the mini station pretty much works like Uber, it's the same price. And you get a code on your phone and you're able to use it um, for a certain amount of time. And I, and I think that that sort of convenience is what's going to drive people to models like Black Brick. As we do know, your girls studied property. So, you know, when I say things like convergence model, just slow me down a little. So the residents um, can also be members of a club where you um, are able to access their facilities as well as the network of buildings that they plan to have in future. At the moment, they've just started working on the development in Cape Town. And across the road, they've also built, started working on a, at a building in an Art Deco style building with 288 apartments. That's also gonna have a conference, conference facility. Um, so besides Cape Town, future locations include Los Angeles and Portugal. So it gives you that opportunity to travel seamlessly between cities. And what Black Brick essentially is, is a vertical village in the city with two restaurants, a mini station, with that are power steering based minis, they're app based. Um, it gives you that ability to say, okay, I don't need to own a bar, a car, I can rent a bicycle, I can have a picnic area, I can either meet with friends um, here at the restaurant downstairs or in the cinema room or library or any of the other facilities. But one thing I really liked is it reminded me of the hotel I stayed in in Washington DC a little bit um, because of this, the shape and style of the room. It's, it's no longer that old hotel room. You have a little bit of a suite um, amenity where you can have guests come into your mini kitchen or sit on your mini lounge seat. Um, and I think that if you are doing a short or mini stay for Joburg, which when you speak about that location, it's like ideal. When you're doing that short business stay in the city of Joburg, you can have one or two friends come over, visit you in your room um, for a quick drink, a glass of wine, and then come downstairs and have um, a soft salsa of lucky style meal. So the Black Brick Square <laughs> is where members, residents, owners of units, external members, access to facilities can all have discounts ac um, across the network. So the idea is to accelerate people's lives because these are obviously um, ideally business-minded people. Um, the owner, Morris, was saying something like, there's always something to accelerate you as a young working professional, you know, whether that's having access to these amenities like boardrooms or having access to the network of other entrepreneurs who are like-minded. He says that they're very focused on work and his inspiration came out from, of frustration. He himself is an entrepreneur who was thinking, Something like this should exist, an environment that nurtures you, cradles you, even if you're not from a network where you come as one and you leave as three. So 
he um, was also saying that the building was rezoned into a mixed-use residential building from an office building. And if you look across from the rooftop, you can actually see the other SAB office. <laughs> so they were funded um, by the Setso Property Development Fund, which is a level 1 BE company. Um, so although Setso made the funding possible, Blackbrook made the idea possible. Um, they have other amenities like a meditation garden. You can hustle for your muscle in the gym. Um, you have penthouses, which are two-story with a huge closet. I'm not even kidding. The closets are ma massive. Unfortunately, they don't have baths. That was the drawback for me. I was like, oh, I keep... <laughs> and somebody was saying something about how you need to save water. And I thought, you know, bathing is not an everyday thing. For me, it's an actual luxury, like having to take a bath. But I think I would be a bit, like, sad if I didn't have a bath as an option. But anyway, um, the target market loves it because this place is always packed. Um, they uh, are booked out very often for places that started in November. They're doing very well. There's also a dining room downstairs with a 20-seater table. Um, there's also a small studio. Um, so it's, it's lovely. And the rooftop was amazing. When we arrived on the rooftop, they were playing Don't Take Your Love Away, a fabulous song. Um, so there's definitely, there's life. There's life in the city. Um, if you wear your mask, protect the city. <laughs> Keep it safe. Um, but I don't want to tell you everything about Black Brick. I think that the people who should share more are the wonderful people that invited us. Listen in as I speak to Maurice Tates-Bantman, editor of Johannesburg In Your Pocket, as well as Njabulo, the hotel general manager of Black Brick. So we are at Black Brick. I'm with Njabulo, the general manager of the hotel, and with Maurice who, um, if you ever come across Joburg in your pocket, you will know her. So her lovely, sparkling spirit is following us, and it's what brought us here today. So um, just to back up, Louise told me a very interesting story. So um, the current building that we're in was the old SAB building, but you were saying the building across is a heritage building. No, the building across is a building that will also be a second version of Black Brick. It'll be phase two. And yeah. it was a it was a heritage building before. Um, it wasn't heritage building. No, it was actually not offices. That. Yes, that was offices. Well. So we're in Sands and Central, and everything is like steel and glass. Um, but we're in a black, literally a black brick building. As I look up, so can you tell us a little bit about the hotel and how it runs? Alright, so the whole building is a mixed-use property. Um, you've got apartments, you've got a hotel, and you've got workspaces. So the whole point of Black Brick is to try and um, create a place where people can not just come and stay, but be able to like grow mentally and uh, spiritually hard up, uh, and be able to do more with themselves. So you find that in the 74 hotel rooms, they can stay over and make use of the the spaces around them like the workspaces okay. and the boardrooms okay and we also have a uh, gym and then the minis yeah somebody um was explaining the concept of it's at the price of an uber yeah so so you the, the idea is shared living i suppose so you had said that you want to reduce um the need to own a car so you can either get use the minis at the cost of a car yeah. or walk because you're so central in the middle of Sanson yeah. or you can um, there's an app that you download is that what you said and that's then you correct. and then you drive around and everybody thinks that that's your own personal mini club <laughs> yeah I mean yeah. if you absolutely have to travel around the city you know how the traffic is yes um, but the whole point is we're trying to make a virtual village where okay. you can actually work from here and meet your clients here as well and work out but if you really need to travel, then you can download the app where you have a partnership with Mini, uh, okay. for the electric minis, where you can just load your credit card and your details, you okay. check the vehicle, and you use the app to actually unlock the car and okay. drive it as well. So and you had said that, that the whole point of the living space is to accelerate people's lives. So there are things correct. like a boardroom, yeah. a cinema room, a lounge. So Larissa and I were speaking about the dining room, um, and she was saying it's a lovely space to host things like wine tastings and... I actually was saying that for me, if I was living here, um, you said there's one bedroom, studio apartments, two bedroom or penthouse. Some of those can be quite cramped. 
Whereas if you were in the dining room, you would be able to host 20 people. It's got a yeah. gorgeous bar. It's a long, full bar. I saw it as a coffee machine, fridge, everything. And then um, you said there was a pool room at some point as well. Or a pool in the dining room. Yeah, um, there is a pool in the pool dining table. lounge. Yeah, so I mean... The whole point of that is, you know, you don't want people in your space, so you can make use of any of the other space around, like the dining lounge, like you oh, said. Oh, okay. And um, just host your, your people in there okay. for a few hours. Obviously, um, respecting that, you know, other people make use of the space and leave it as is, as you found it. And you can also make use of the cinema as well. Okay. And the conversation lounge. And as someone who knows Joburg so well, Larissa, like, how do you think that this integrates into the rest of the city as it is? I think in a lot of ways a revolution for Santa mm. because Santa is so being designed as a very with a very singular idea of what this district should be. Okay. And I think what's been interesting is that pre-COVID you already had a lot of buildings that were deserted um, and a whole lot of resi- a whole lot of sort of commercial property that was no longer in use because people thought it more attractive to go up to Ravonia Road and move their headquarters. Okay. So you literally have a district below Santon which is an empty commercial stock. And it's and you said the idea of centralization is that people will be able to walk to work now. People can walk to I mean I walked here the first time I came here I walked down from Santon City and it's a I don't know, an eight minute walk from wow. Santon City. But I think interesting is that also like our lives have sort of shifted over this COVID time. Mm, for sure. And the idea of commuting for hours in a car to get to work yeah. and chuck block traffic or going back to that is really not an attractive <laughs> idea. And yeah. this really rewrites the script of what na- Santon should have been designed as a neighborhood, but it never was. And yeah. I think this building rewrites the script of what, how Santon should have been designed in the first place and how it should have fit, in, fit it into the landscape. Yeah, I'm also looking at a green area right now and I've been told it's lovely for picnics. I see bicycles, apparently you can share bicycles. Yeah. We are at Source of Lucky, so apparently there's two restaurants. Yeah, the Source of Lucky and Sesame. And, appa- and, and somebody was saying something about um, room service. Would you get room service or would you just Uber Eats your meal? I yeah. mean, it's it's all up to you. There's a lot of, uh, besides the two restaurants here, mm. Uber Eats, there are a lot of lovely restaurants around the area. Okay. And that you can go to. It's the all within walking distance, uh, just by Nelson Mandela. Or you so. can, I saw someone wrote on the board in the gym, yeah. you can hustle for muscles. <laughs> you, can, you can work off your source of lucky in there as well. Yeah, so... Uh, as soon as you've had uh, the meals that we have here, which are great, mm. um, you should try them out. I can't wait. <laughs> you should also just go work it out uh, in the boxing yeah. gym. And everybody's incredibly friendly. I'm actually speaking of the meal. Um, yeah. I obviously came here quite flustered and stressed and everything. And then, and that's a beautiful idea of a breakaway in the city. So you don't even have to drive, you know, an hour out of the city. You can just come um, hit the N1 or the M1 and, and be in a space that's, really welcoming and then the other thing that i found really interesting were all the artworks all over the hotel that almost look you know there's a, a piece that looks like a protest piece there's a piece that looks like somebody's doing someone else's hair there's like a mother yeah. and so it's it's a very black building <laughs> it is very dark there's dark hallways but they're also lightened up by these beautiful orange pop-ups so then i got back to source of lucky flustered i was asked what do you want on on it and and then um we winked at each other and said everything so, <laughs> so i guess you will have to hustle for muscle or, or yeah. have to grab a bicycle and get through the city yeah but yeah so you've only been open for a month yeah and it's been a crazy month uh, yeah considering the times that, that we're in but um the response by people's been great we've been uh blessed been quite full okay um uh, we never thought it would get a lot of local travelers and i think people are tired of being at home so yeah they're looking yeah. for new spaces to, to go to cool and also what i like i think my last point and that's why i picked i i like i forced both of these people out of whatever they were going to do so honestly, i just think that it's very interesting i'm even looking at the various cars and people it's not a mix of like the sand and shiny shoe kind of thing that I'd always avoided when I didn't want to work in corporate. It's like, yes, there are fancy people with their fancy cars, because I do think that that's part of the race and the rush of Johannesburg. But yeah. you also have down-to-earth people that are dressed very snappily, and it almost looks like it looks like um, parts of Maboneng, like you were saying. It, just, it, it, it captures the soul of the city in a very interesting way for a place that was... The concept came about in 2018. Yeah. And for two years, it's been driven. That's correct. All right. Well, thank you. I hope to come back 
and even if it's just for a glass of wine to stay at these gorgeous steel buildings. Yeah, of course. So uh, hoping to see a lot of people come through as well. Okay. Thank you, Louise. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. As well as Lissedi, the duty manager, for having us, as well as Moritz and the entire Black Brick team. It was really an honor to be with you all. And I also want to thank Louise um, and the Joburg in Your Pocket team for having me be a part of it. I truly did love having a staycation in the city. I think Joburg is one of the most amazing cities in the world. And I love the idea of going away, but not getting away. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. I love the idea of being in the city, um, being able to experience the best parts of the city that you couldn't necessarily do from your home and also waking up to a different view. So being that high up in the city and seeing all these beautiful, you know, the stunning green view in the morning was truly wonderful. And I also love the integration of the design with Phelan's. I love the integrity that they kept throughout the building. Um, and though everything is black, I know it is black brick. <laughs> there's a lot of color. There's the graffiti wall outside, upstairs on the roof. Um, there's a big living green um, plant wall. There's also the huge yellow seats, um, the lights. I love the string lights so that you can look down in the city. And in the rooms themselves, they're really huge. They're really nice, well-appointed rooms. I can see how they would make comfortable studios um, yeah, very nice apartments. I loved the painting just above the head. Um, there was um, that feature all throughout the hotel um, along these black brick walls, these beautiful orange paintings. Um, yeah, I think, I think if you think about it, the fact that it was once an office building, it's hard to relate. But I, one of the things that I really loved about Bring It Black Brick also is it reminded me of my favorite TV show of lockdown, The Brick. The block, mm, the block, <laughs> the block Australia. So we first watched um, the block Australia 2017, um, and obviously it it blew me away because I studied property and I kept thinking and I even did say to um, Moritz that you know you have these ideas that I want to create livable buildings. I want to create places that people can work and live in, be close to the amenities that really matter to them. And, and it's amazing to see that sort of thing really happen. So I, um, it was really wonderful. But back to the block in Australia, Marble, Australia. <laughs> so one of the things I really loved about it, besides the, um, the obvious, the love of construction, it first started out the 2017 as five buildings on the same street um, and each couple got a different building and then you had uh, the foreman as well as Scotty Ken and Scotty <laughs> it's quite a menace but we'll talk about that later I first want to talk about the amazing contestants so they started off with these shells these dirty shells and then they had to turn them into these beautiful multi-million dollar apartments that got auctioned off at the end so Sarah and Jason were quite a huge surprise for me for many reasons um, Sarah and Jason um, wonderful couple with amazing style um jason is actually a plumber but he kept i don't know what was going on with jason the whole time in the show so one of the things i loved about the block is that it also has like that element of reality i'm talking i want to tell you more about scotty can later but i want to get the construction stuff serious first so that um we could talk about design and all the things that were really outstanding on the show they like they test them to their limit because they have like one week to do everything, construction, design, paint, stripping, everything. And you only can do that week, that room, week's room when you're in the, in the room. Um, but somehow Sarah and Jason pulled it together. They created a beautiful building. And then obviously it was Terrace Week. And I love Terrace Week. <laughs> and I also love their laundry room. It was really gorgeous laundry room that they pulled together. And then Hannah and Clint had no construction experience whatsoever. Um, but they had a gorgeous study just these colors that I just seem to love, like these mustard sofas, a plush carpet. Um, but it's all those little things where you realize that experience really matters because like things like their um, dining room, it, it felt really weird. Like the window um, is almost half cut off in the lounge. But other than that, design elements are all perfect. One of the things they got really right was the master bedroom with that beautiful wallpaper. I love their kitchen because it had one fridge and that's something I really loved. And then obviously the star couples of the show, Georgia and Ronnie, who have impeccable taste. Georgia has an amazing taste. So she was the 
designer or decorator and then Ronnie was the was the construction guy so they worked together as a team but every now and again Ronnie got the man for there and then it just things fell apart but um one of the things that made their building the most controversial is that they also decided to paint it black so speaking of black brick they also decided to paint it black so while the other four buildings on the street had sort of like this gray color I think that it did sort of stick out like a broken tooth and then they had it actually lost them value so it, it, it just reminded you of all those little things that can either enhance or decrease value. But the reason I keep going back to the kitchens and the bathrooms is because one of the things that they kept reminding us of, you know, these are designs. You can always take your dining room suite or you can take your sofa out of someone's house. But a kitchen is a lot of work and a bathroom is a lot of work. So kitchens and bathrooms really did sell houses. And Ronnie and George's kitchen was fabulous. It was really beautiful. And their hallway was hallway week. And their hallway was amazing. <laughs> the passage. <laughs> but their spare bedroom was exquisite. They also put an um, ensuite bathroom in the spare bedroom. And then there was one of my favorite couples. I think this season, I just I, I loved everybody. Sticks and Wombat. So two guys, two best friends doing this. So they could raise money for their babies. Um, good dads. Their bathroom was really luxurious and gorgeous. It had um, beautiful grey tones. Um, and obviously, they were also they're really good carpenters. Carpenters sticks and wombat. So they did a really great job with carpentry. But the problem was the pool week, the garden week, was really stressful because I think that they had a beautiful house. For me, again, you know, like I'm saying, people kept saying, oh, you don't put so many throws on a bed or whatever. But I just kept thinking, like, you'll remove that. Like, uh, I'll buy my own linen, but if if the construction and the finishing is perfect, which Dixon Wombats was, then it's a win. Their kitchen was also grayscale, very interesting, scaled back in the hallway. And then obviously the winning house was Josh and Elise. Um, so if you're fans of the block, you'll know that Josh and Elise recently got engaged and they're also um, about to have a baby so it's very exciting it really is like you become their family over the many many weeks because they scotty can and them really do stretch this thing out the many many weeks of lockdown that we watched the show that a beautiful kitchen as well like it just felt like just right as i'm saying with the texture as well even everything was just so well thought out they had a beautiful bathroom very very sexy large tub their bedroom and then one of the things that for me really sold their house was the studio so they had to build a studio, um, like a, a room above the garage, basically. And they turned it into like a home office, which I thought was just like so well thought out. I thought out. it was just ideal. It was just really uh, perfect. It was just one of those things where you're just like oh, exactly what you needed. <laughs> so I loved that season of the block. Um, and then the next season, obviously, was um, the 2018 season. Um yeah, so, you know, my favorites, Shelley Croft and Scotty Cam were there. And then the foreman, Keith and Dan, <laughs> were back as well as the judges, Neil Whitaker, Shana Blaze, Darren Palmer, all back. Wonderful families. Everybody truly understood design and style. But, oh, gosh, how do I say this? Th this season tested me. It tested me. It tested me emotionally because... I think this is the season that they realize that if they can keep 20 plus episodes going it, of this reality show, it can be like halfway between a real housewives of Australia meets like a construction show. Cause I don't like, I would be, you know, like one of those design shows on TLC, like flipping houses or whatever. So it's pretty much that. So there were five couples in this season. Again, um, Sarah and Hayden, Kerry and Spence, Courtney and Hollands, Bianca and Carla, Norman and Jeff. <laughs> so Sarah and Hayden. Um, uh, Hayden is does work in construction. He's a, and and Sarah is a Sarah. She's a, a flight attendant. And then Kerry and Spence, they're the most fabulous. They have um, so they live in wine country in Australia, and Spence is like a property developer for like high end buildings, and Kerry is a. Um, was I, was I there? <laughs> Kerry has great style and taste. But she was just my favorite. Like she was always like, even when she, like she was so sensitive to his feelings. Like there was one day he wanted to do a coffered ceiling in the lounge and it was really stressing him because they kept coming up with these, because the block also has these little challenges. They kept coming up with these challenges and it kept slowing down his coffered ceiling process. And I was just like, oh my goodness. Like they were the most loving couple. 
and I was like this is what I want to emulate this is what I want to be this is my couple goals like just being this loving and this in touch with your partner what a dream and then Courtney and Hans so Hans is the pilot and Courtney was also a flight attendant as well as Norm and Jess so in the end obviously they auction off these um apartments because this time it was a block of buildings not a block on a street um and there was a big upset I guess a big surprise because Sarah and Hayden won the block um (sighs) (laughs) and one of the things that really surprised me was their temperament so she kept like Hayden she kept screaming like every apartment um And it was really frustrating to me. It was really frustrating to me because I was just like, look, if if you have been seeing someone work day in and, and day out on something, are you going to scream? Are you going to scream at your partner when they, when they get it done? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so it was a big eye-opener for me. Um, Karen Spencer's kitchen, I think, got 30 points, 10s across the board from all the judges. Um, obviously, it had an amazing wine fridge. It also had a butler's pantry, something I realized I can't live without. Um, but my visit to Black Brick and seeing some of the unfinished apartments, for example, we were in a penthouse as it was in construction. It just made me think about how all our personalities can sort of shine through in whatever we design. And... Um, yeah, man, I really want to design a house now. <laughs> so thank you so much for staying with me um, throughout this episode. Um, this is partly pop of culture. Um, because I also was in Boulder's Kitchen the other day. And I just thought to myself, do you know how exquisite it is that we are living in this time when apparently home renovations have also gone up because people are in their houses and they're trying to make their homes as beautiful as possible but I think watching this reality show and and some would think like I mean there were parts when um when we were all sitting together and and it just felt like okay we can fast forward through this with Keith and Dan putting people through unnecessary stress for example um on the rooftop one of the couples wanted to put a pool um at their penthouse apartment and the other couple was obviously, um, well, not couple, the pair of friends was like, absolutely not. So, you know, it just, it, it just made you think about like, how do you value a building? Well, having one apartment that is a penthouse apartment with a pool, would it be so overvalued that it just won't fetch the price? Um, all those things that I studied and, and got to fall in love with again. Um, and then obviously the other penthouse is Bianca and Carla's Melbourne penthouse which is apparently now an Airbnb um so if you're ever in Melbourne go to the Gatwick um it's it's a truly cool building Jess and Norm with a couple with the other penthouse uh Jess is a radio show so Jess radio is what she would do every couple of days and Norm um is a builder so there was one episode that was really heartbreaking where he put the fireplace on his head because it was so heavy and he they were desperate to get it put in the right position so that the judges would give them um a good price or let them win and so there were those elements of the show uh, Bianca and Carla one of the best contestants or two of the best contestants ever um Olympic netball stars um so gorgeous and tall um But it just made you think about all those little elements, all those sexy elements um, in an apartment, including the terraces, um, where you're like, I really want to have all those things that you really want. Do you want to have a beautiful bride stand? Do you want um, an interesting feature like a fireplace for those evenings where people are still gathered outside and you're having a a gorgeous penthouse party? Um, Taught me a lot. But the drama that came along with the show, I think, is what would deter a lot of people. So I read something um, in The Guardian about someone's Real Housewives addiction. Um, And with all the amount of reality TV that I think I've been watching, um, I thought it was quite apt. 
So the writer says, um, Beverly Hills was my gateway into the franchise and the fact that I came to it in a 10-year delay has its own pleasures. During a period in which the average person's concerns are literally life and death, it is a relief to become seriously invested in things that happened a decade ago and were mostly inconsequential, even then. So the writer of this piece is Jo Stone, and she wrote about how her Real Housewives addiction saw her through a pandemic, and I thought about all the reality TV that I've watched and how the block was probably the most beneficial <laughs> because it inspired me to start a business in something that I actually did study and it reignited that love of, of buildings in me and it reminded me of why we call buildings home. Anyway, so that's just a bit of that. <laughs> so... um We'll do more on the other Real Housewives in another week. But in this pop of culture, I just wanted you to think about your home um, and how you choose to live. And if you ever need a little bit of inspiration, head down to Black Brick because it truly is very beautiful. (laughs) So in every episode, um, I like to dedicate a moment to think of something or someone truly delectable who's made our world a sweeter place. And we call this segment The Dish. And so seeing as this is Black History Month, I first wanted to think of Representative Maxine Waters. And then, of course, I came across an amazing article about Dolly Parton. And then, of course, I came across an amazing tweet about Dolly Parton. And so in this rabbit hole, I just wanted to read you part of what poet Saeed Jones says. It always feels like you're walking to the edge of a cliff. The more you openly declare your love for celebrity, but Dolly ain't failed us yet. So Dolly Parton apparently turned down an offer to receive the Presidential Medal of Freedom twice during the Trump administration. So Dolly, as we know, is very good at gushing and smiling. And I think I did make her the dish in a previous episode. Um, but she obviously shies away from the reasons. You know, she says things like she couldn't go because her husband was ill and she couldn't travel because of COVID. Um, and so she's heard that the Biden administration would like to give her the Medal of Freedom Um, And she's not quite sure if she'll accept because she says that she doesn't want it to come across a certain way. Hmm. (laughs) Anyway, so I just wanted to thank Dolly for her good heart. You know, Medal of Freedom or no Medal of Freedom. I think that she truly, um, she's the gift that keeps on giving. So um, she's an avid philanthropist who has forwarded the cause of literacy through her own organization, Dolly Parton's Imagine Libra- Imagination Library, as well as helping those in need via the Dollywood Foundation. So although she's penned over 3,000 songs and has 10 Grammy Awards, she still has a card of gold. She made headlines last year when it was revealed she donated $1 million to help fund coronavirus research at the Vanderbilt University, which helped develop the Moderna vaccine, which is currently being distributed. So Dolly Parton really did save the world. <laughs> so although the Presidential Medal of Freedom has gone to the likes of Bruce Springsteen, Barbara Streisand, Diana Ross, James Taylor, Bob Dylan, posthumously to Elvis Presley, Dolly Parton hasn't received this honor yet, and she's previously received the National Medal of Arts at the, canu- at the annual Kennedy Center's Honor Ceremony. So, Dolly Parton, man. <laughs> I thought that she is truly the dish. Um, because I also saw that she was playing her fingers on um, her acrylics on a Super Bowl ad five to nine to congratulate or to think of the medical workers, and I'll get to them in a minute. But I just kept thinking, she just keeps giving. So Representative Maxine Waters um, was given an honor in honor of Black History Month, and I wanted to also name her. Um, as one of the recipients of this week's little medal of freedom for the dish. She says in her tweets, I'm always appreciative to be honored for my work and my advocacy. I'm especially appreciative for the honor given to me by the Authors Study Club of Los Angeles for Black History Month. Receiving the Hall of Fame award alongside other trailblazers was incredible. Thank you. So the representative was in Johannesburg in 2019 for the Oliver Tambo Memorial Lecture. She was born in August 1938, and she serves in the House of Representatives. For me, she's a true inspiration because of the words that she spoke to us that day. 
and also because of how close she seemed to wanting to remain deeply rooted to her conviction. I also loved hearing um, about how she, um, how much she did and the goosebumps she gave us. So on the 25th of October in 2019, she opened this incredible um, lecture and said words like, rather than fight for freedom, today's youth will be free to fight for a truly egalitarian society. And she also spoke about um, the protests that she was part of to diver- to diverse economically in apartheid South Africa. So she also helped us, I think, in many quiet ways. And even at her, um, even with her great stature, I mean, she was so beautiful. She was wearing a black ball gown <laughs> to give her lecture. She was dressed in evening wear. Um, she still had so much grace and so much strength. And she said at the lecture, they should face not face confrontation, intolerance or aggression. These are tough times. It is unjustifiable and must be stopped. This behavior must be unlearned. So she spoke about xenophobia as well on the night, as well as um, her activism against gender-based violence. She said violence against women and children must be unlearned from every corner and every crevice of civilization. And she was kind enough to speak about her presence during President Mandela's inauguration in South Africa. She said, despite these challenges, this is a special time and a special place. South Africa has unlimited potential. So this Black History Month, I wanted to continue to thank the great senator for her amazing work as she has continued to inspire several generations. So it's one of those things, you know, where... It's a difficult time and everything that we say, I think, has so much sensitivity. But um, recently I spoke to somebody, which is why I was thinking of Dudley Parton and how in her um, Super Bowl advert she thanked the medical workers. One of those things that every time you speak to a medical worker, it's, it's almost too big to wrap your head around the sacrifices that they're making. Um, I can only think of how the strain is on their families and their mental health. But... Um, also on their health. There's so many medical workers who have um, not only contracted COVID and TB and other diseases in the line of duty, but also been a risk to their families. And so I truly take my hat off to them. I think, I think of these amazing people and all the everyday heroes truly that are around us. Recently, I had the opportunity to speak to a healthcare worker and um, she is um, working in a hospital um, and she was describing how in her intern year it was pandemonium with broken bones and all the trauma um, patients and how um, I think COVID has made her more conscious of how um, precious life is. And there was a poem recently by uh, Amanda Gorman at the inauguration that reminded me that life truly is precious. And so just to finish off the dish, um, another recipient of my little dish award is poet Amanda Gorman, who told Liam Hess in Vogue magazine about her story. So at 22 years old, Gorman stepped up to her biggest career milestone, delivering an original poem entitled The Hill We Climb to celebrate the inauguration of President Joe Biden as President of the United States. It's an incredible story about how in 2017, Gorman was at the Library of Congress where she delivered in this place an American lyric, a different poem and caught the eye of Dr. Joel Biden who contacted her about writing an original poem for her husband's swearing in ceremony. And so this hugely intimidating task fell on this 22 year old shoulders and she wore this beautiful yellow coat and a red Alice band. The coat, of course, was Michia Prada um, and was a gift to her. But there was also an unlikely accessory which carries a special moving backstory. She wanted to continue the legacy. Oprah Winfrey wanted to continue the legacy of black women poets like Maya Angelou and Elizabeth Alexander who spoke at the inaugurations of Bill Clinton in 93 
and Barack Obama in 2009. So Oprah and Amanda wanted to pay tribute to her predecessors. So Oprah, a fan of Gorman's, got in touch. And when Maya Angelou spoke in 93 at Bill Clinton's inauguration, Oprah Winfrey had sent Maya Angelou a Chanel coat and a pair of gloves to wear for the event. So to continue the tradition, she sent Amanda Gorman a pair of gold hoop earrings by Nikos Koulis and a pair of rare and a, and a, of rare origin ring to wear for the big day, which is actually a caged bird. So Amanda says, every time I get a text from Oprah, I fall on the floor. <laughs> it's the perfect finishing touch to a look that came together with the most immense care and thought. She says, fashion has so much meaning to me and it's my way to lean into the history that came before me and all the people supporting me. It's a truly gorgeous story. And in this month of love, I hope that you are able to reach out, to be with the ones that you love or to think of them if you can't travel in these difficult times hard relate <laughs> and to think of the words of Amanda Goldman in her, in her poem The Hill We Climb I'd like to share a few words from that poem with you this is Amanda Gorman's The Hill We Climb we will rise from the gold-limbed hills of the west we will rise from the wind swept up north east where our forefathers first realized revolution. We will rise from the lake wind cities of the midwestern skies. We will rise from the sun baked south. We will rebuild, reconcile, and recover in every known nook of our nation and every corner called our country. Our people, diverse and beautiful, will emerge, battered and beautiful. When day comes, we step out of the shade, aflame and unafraid. The new dawn blooms as we free it. For there is always a light, if only we're brave enough to see it. If only we're brave enough to be it. Thank you so much for staying with me and for coming to my kitchen. Have a beautiful Valentine's Day. Stay safe and be well. I love you so much.